When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay. Okay, has it gone live yet on your end? I think we're live. I think we're live, pal. Okay, are we li- okay, well, if we're live. Uh well, okay, welcome to the <laughs> Wrestling Inc. podcast on Wednesday nights after AEW Dynamite. We are live, pal. We're live, uh, pal. We behind, but we are all caught up now. Alfred Kunwa joined by the one and only the lovely Justin Labar, how you doing, Justin? I love always podcast with you. I'm great. I'm great. We got, we got, we got, a, we got a night. Of, you know, as you, uh, as you, as you put it to me earlier today, slow news day. You got nothing to talk about today. <laughs> I don't know what, how we're gonna fill this time, Justin, but we'll find something. Uh, yeah, very slow news day today. Uh, pretty big story though, uh, as uh, we all saw earlier with AEW announcing a new TV deal or shifting of the current deal. Okay, a lot to unpack here before I get your opinion, Justin. So here's what we need to know. AEW Dynamite is going to move uh, to TBS beginning in 2022. AEW Rampage will be a new show on Friday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern that will premiere on TNT on August 13th, which will be Friday night, and then move along with AEW Dynamite uh, to TBS. So Dynamite and AEW Rampage will be TBS shows on Wednesday and Friday, respectively. TNT also announced it will have four quarterly super shows for AEW, kind of in the veins of the blood and guts, maybe in the veins of a bash of the beach and some of these TV specials, but they will have four of those quarterly specials uh, per year, uh, in addition to AEW Dynamite and Rampage being on TBS. And it is rumored that AEW is getting eight figures for this shift and expansion in their partnership with Warner Media. This is something that is being done reportedly to accommodate NHL, which is coming to Warner Media after that seven season deal uh, for $225 million uh, a year, I believe it was. And so AEW Dynamite expanding. What are your thoughts, Justin? There's a lot here. You know, first off, let me be clear. Uh, and I'm going to, when we get into tonight's Dynamite, I get critical of AEW at times. I get critical about their, um, the, 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 the lack of disqualifications and rules and referees and, and too many goo goo gaga gang fights. And, I, and I'm going to touch on some things tonight. But let me be clear to say this. This is great news, and I got to give it an applause to AEW because, okay, first off, so they're going to have a new show. So for everybody who thought, oh, you know, they, they're launching this new, you know, Money Mark Tony Khan launching his wrestling promotion to be a fanboy to run a wrestling promotion, it's going to flop. You're adding programming like this; it's not flopping. Uh, you know, and, and the viewership they've had shows that. Uh, T or excuse me, TBS, I believe Alfred has is in more households than TNT. So, Di- so Dynamite being their flagship show, moving to TBS is an upgrade by a certain measurement. Um, 
so all that's good. And then, as you said, keeping the kind of premium special shows per quarter over on TNT, my first thought, because you know you kind of apply it to the old WCW model on the Turner, is a clash of champions. You know, something that mm-hmm. feels like a pay-per-view, but you don't got to pay for, but you know you might see something extra that you wouldn't otherwise see on the weekly programming. Uh, everything about this is, is solid. I mean, this is a really big deal. And again, I... I'm critical of AEW. I don't. I, I I know people can quickly get in chats and oh, there's a you know I'm an AEW apologist. I'm an NXT apologist. Which 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 ass am I kissing? Please tell me. <laughs> I don't kiss AEW's ass, but this is a big deal and bravo to them if in fact it is eight figures. Uh, they're here to stay. Yeah, a hundred percent a big deal. A hundred percent great news. I mean, I don't think that's a controversy at all. I mean, because of the climate we're in, everything's a controversy. But this is clearly good news for AEW, which you know rolled out a press release. Uh, there is really no way of spinning this in the way that this isn't good news because yes, they're going to TBS, but Warner Media really showing that they have the support um, and that they are really behind this AEW property with another show, another hour of wrestling, uh, another hour of programming, which is going to come with a rights fee, which is going to just make AEW more of a valuable company. And I think they're going to be positioned on TBS as like the biggest show on that channel, because now given what they do in that 18 to 49 demographic, there's no original show on TBS that I think can consistently compete with what AEW is doing. So I think, uh, Warner Media is going to go all in and building this TBS network around AEW, and I think it's going to reward them. I agree. And then what about the decision to have their new program be on a Friday at 10 p.m. Eastern? Yes. Uh, obviously avoiding SmackDown head-to-head, uh, but you know their audience is younger. So you know, I think that plays into their audience will stay up to watch a 10 p.m. Eastern premiere of a show. Sure, but it also makes me nervous in that the fact that their audience is younger, I mean, it means they're probably going to be out on a Friday night around that time. You know, it's not like it's right after work, which SmackDown here on the West Coast, you know, right after five o'clock, you just can sit down and watch SmackDown. So you got that time to kind of relax after work to watch it. Uh, but over there on the East Coast, that t- 10 p.m. Eastern, I mean, that's around the time that A, people are out and about. And B, like we're going to find out a lot about the limits of wrestling fans. So this is a 10th hour of national pro wrestling between AEW and WWE alone. If you're like me and you, Justin, which I'm sure we're going to have a, another uh, hour of podcasting to do in terms of Rampage, which I'm all for it, but that's three hours of Raw, two hours of NXT, two hours <laughs> We're all about that Raj, Raj I know you're in Gorilla right now on headset. <laughs> Raj, the negotiations start now. Okay, call my people, and we'll talk about the Rampage hour. But, yes, yeah, so that's 10 hours of wrestling. Can fans take that? Are fans going to be able to support that in terms of AEW's fan base? Or will that be the tap-out point where it's like, man, I don't want a 10th hour after two more hours of SmackDown. Maybe WWE in a Machiavellian way just makes SmackDown the worst pro wrestling program ever just so people <laughs> are so tired of wrestling by them that they don't watch AEW. That, I mean, that's a very valid point that the young demo that <clears throat> AEW is touting right now, you're right. That is a, um, you know, and it's not like we can say, oh, well, everybody's, on lockdown you know the world's opening back up we are we hope uh on the outside on the on the exit of of this pandemic uh, at least in the united states um i think you're right i think it's gonna i think what's i think what it's gonna be defined quickly alfred is how those first few episodes of that rampage is and the fans will be able to quickly sniff out right is this a um look dark and elevation it's it, it, it it's great to produce more content we know if we miss dark and elevation, you're not missing anything that's going to progress towards the double or nothing pay-per-view story. You might miss a record change. You might miss seeing some of the talent that AEW is looking to 
start to give a push to you know the talent that's 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 that seating ringside for dynamites but bottom line you cannot watch monday and tuesday's aew youtube and you're you can still follow along with the main main storylines right it's going to depend what do they make that friday if there's world title matches happening if there's debuts happening of note then that might help be a dick you know dictate things of what is this i mean uh, you know, then all of a sudden the demo might go, well, hell, like, I, I don't want I don't want to, like, be caught watching this on Saturday and my social right. media having spoiled it. So w- what the identity of the show is, is going to play really big into this. No, 100 uh, percent. We are off to a hot start. Uh, uh, Jody Shawna Jenkins, friend of the show. I can listen to you two all day. So thank you, uh, Jody Shawna Jenkins. Really appreciate that. And she also reports jacked up Sunday Night Thunder on aew that, that, that's I mean, a great that's a great point real quick on on, on jody and shauna you know this this kind of goes back the closest thing we can compare this to is when wcw decided to expand to thunder right you know you had raw and smackdown and then nitro goes and they needed they need another big point so they go to thunder and you know, mind you nitro has you know they you know they have some some b and c shows they have you know saturday night on tbs famous they might have um you know some other ones that again, well, there's nothing that's of note that's going to happen. It's just maybe just just filler time on TV for talent. So it's like, okay, is Thunder a show that is must see, or is it just you know? So that that that's kind of the comparison here is is, is look back and see what WCW did with Thunder. Where did they go wrong and try to avoid such? Yeah, I absolutely think it, and it has to come out of the gates at least initially as a show that is must watch or a show that. Uh, has to do with significant storyline development of AEW because they're really going to test the limits of a lot of wrestling fans and what they're willing to watch. And if they don't feel like they need to watch this, they will be looking for any reason not to watch this extra hour. You know, it is exciting for AEW. It's expansion for a, a promotion that needs it and that only has one show. But uh, the reality is a lot of their fan base is a crossover with WWE and they have to take into account all those hours of wrestling content. Why should this show be on Friday nights? Um, we have Combo Breaker for 199. I think Rampage should have been on a Saturday. I mean, well, but that that, 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 well, that's back to your original point, Alfred. I mean, Saturday's another night that people are out. So, I mean, like, yeah. you know, you're in the weekend territory here. I mean, what's what, sure, Saturday's, Saturday's nostalgia of Saturday at 605, you know, but, you know, it's sat, wrestling on a Saturday has not served wrestler weekly wrestling. I'm not talking about, I know AEW does their pay-per-views on Saturday. Sometimes weekly wrestling on a Saturday has not survived in the United States in what? 25, 30 years. Right. Yeah. Since Saturday night or Saturday morning wrestling with WCW. So uh, that's a AEW, a lot going on there, so good for them. And then uh, before we get to the shows tonight, uh, not as good news in terms of NXT. It looks like a lot of releases were made. They've been kind of expecting this after the April 15th releases last month. So now WWE doing some spring cleaning, as it were, with NXT. Headlined by longtime referee Drake Wirtz, who's like the heart and soul of NXT, former wrestler on the independent scene, and was really a main scene for NXT throughout its run. The top referee there is now gone. Uh, also, Jasmine Duke, uh, Vanessa Bourne, uh, Urza Judge, Skylar Story, and Kavia D are all released by WWE. What do you think about this, uh, Matt? I'm sorry. <laughs> Justin Labar. We've been working together for a decade. You, you get my name wrong. <laughs> You're uh, just so jacked these days. I can't. Oh, uh, uh, please. Uh, one of the names I don't think you mentioned, Alexander Wolf, too. Yes, Alexander Wolf is another name that got released. From so, again, uh, several things to note here. Alexander Wolf kind of raises my eyebrow. I mean, he's he was an Imperium, right? Yes, in so, a storyline. 
you know, so like Imperium, like the big heel group that whether you want them in the UK or want them here. So, um, you know, I mean, I, I sometimes I've knocked Imperium and said there's Walter and then the other three guys, and I'm not always sure who the names are, but um, just so to randomly take one out of the four person stable, uh, curious, you know, is it he's not progressing or doing, you know, what, what you know, I'm curious what that is. Uh, Justin Duke, worth noting. <laughs> Wrestling social media loves to fantasy book the four horsewomen of Ronda Rousey versus you know the the Charlottes and Bailey's and Sasha's and Becky's of the world. So that you know, Jasmine Duke was one of Ronda's girls. That's she's out of there. Uh, and then as you noted, uh, Drake Wirtz. Uh Drake. Uh, th- this one I don't. This is a this is a lot to touch. Maybe we don't we don't need to put our hand on the stove quite as much on this one. But um, Alfred, you know as well as I do. It's very easy to get caught up when you're when you're back when you're working backstage to get caught up to be a victim of politics. Sure. You know, you're wrong place, wrong time. You're a threat to somebody else who's got some power and leverage or the, or, or or has the ear of the office or whatever. Drake Wirtz was like a lead referee at one point. Drake Wirtz was in line for it sounds like some promotions and some, you know, some stuff that keeps you again working in the office, working in the companies for long term, and everything that I've read and heard from for, for what what has led to his release and and the feathers he's ruffled, heat that he brought upon himself. Yeah, it, you can believe in whatever you want to believe in, and being opinionated and and be you know be you know believe what you want to believe. That's fine. That's your right. But you also have to be respectful with how you apply that opinion. And how you react to other people telling you what we're going to try to do as a company. Or here's the status of, of our country right now socially. And let's let's be cognizant of, of you know, like, again, believe what you want to believe in and say whatever you want behind closed doors and hope there's no device recording you. But you're in a publicly traded company, man. Like, yeah, you know, if you if you don't want to be all accepting. I don't know what yeah. to tell you. I mean, definitely. And with WWE, they also don't want any trace of controversy or anything like that that brings attention to the company for reasons like that. And with a lot of these releases recently, even dating back to when they made all those releases in 2020, a lot of people who were released, it's kind of like they're sending a message of uh, certain people who either spoke to the media or kind of uh, – spoke out in terms of very hot button controversial issues that brought negative attention to the company. You're seeing a pattern there and WWE just doesn't deal with that from uh, uh, its talent for one reason or another. Yeah, so, uh, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, like I said, I, I wasn't I, Drake. Drake didn't surprise me. Um, right. You know, Alexander Wolf surprises me. Justin Duke surprises me. I, you know, I don't, yeah. I, I love to know the reasons. Especially Alexander Wolf. I mean, he was, um, I mean, I get it now that you see that they turned on him and he was written off television, it looks like forever, but he was pretty like a fixer of uh, weekly television. And another guy, uh, Jake Clemens, uh, he's a referee. Who I'm actually familiar with Jake. He was signed last fall. Uh, I, I came up with Jake doing some independence through uh, the Ohio and through here in Western PA. Uh, and Jake's a very good referee, he's a student of the game. Uh, and he was signed last year, and I was very happy for him. Um, I mean, I don't know if he did something, but or, or if he was just a just a casualty of just a budget, just a line item that somebody in right. accounting said. Oh, you know, accounting goes well. We could save X number, and they just looked and said, "Well, he's our least experienced referee that we have here in our circle." I, I don't know. I, I'm that's all speculation, but it was another name I saw. I was like, I was kind of bummed to see that. So, yeah. 
No, absolutely. So uh, a lot going on today, uh, including AEW Dynamite, which uh, was an action-packed show. We saw Christian versus Matt Seidel to open this show. Uh, I thought these two had a very good match. Christian worked very hard. Story of the match is essentially Christian working over Matt Seidel's back. Uh, as the match progressed, he's working over his back more. Uh, the finish came where Matt Seidel tried like a corkscrew shooting star type move, uh, landing on his back, and Christian put his knees up. Christian then hit the kill switch to win the match. Uh, I thought this was Christian's best match since being on AEW, and I just really thought in terms of like a professional wrestling match, if you were to just put on the tape, pro wrestling one-on-one, uh, one-on-one, how to have an exciting match, I thought this was it. Yeah, I agree. I think this was Christian's best AEW match to date. I will admit, though, as I first turn on and I look and I just look at what I've seen, I'm like, oh, it's Christian and Evan Bourne. This is Raw 2009. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, but, but in seriousness, you know, a testament to these two guys, I make that joke of, of them being obviously where they were at the time at, you know, 12 years ago. 12 years later, they both look in phenomenal shape and move yeah. phenomenally. So, um, you know, good on them. But yeah, I agree. This was the best Christian bell to bell showing uh, that we've seen in AEW. Yeah, just very flawless. I just loved how these two work together. So that Casino Battle Royale is shaping up to be pretty good. They'll see how they do it in the Battle Royale. Uh, so after this match, we couldn't leave well enough alone. Ricky Starks comes out, uh, cuts a pretty good promo. Very interesting that he says he's not going to be on the sidelines. If you follow the dirt sheets and read the stories, Ricky Starks is apparently rehabbing from a broken neck, but it's not uh, as serious in terms of requiring significant surgery. Uh, so then he um, talks about Team Taz and says he's bringing out Team Taz to come uh, assist him in fighting Christian and Matt Seidel. Team Taz comes from behind. They attack Christian and Matt Seidel. Out comes Adam Page. Uh, Hangman Adam Page comes into the ring, but he's laid out by Brian Cage. So we go from one storyline and shift to the next. Uh, what did you think about this development? Well, first off with Starks, like you said, Starks is injured. He's not going to be wrestling in the next few Couple weeks months. or m- months. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, look, I, I appreciate the intent maybe to try to keep him on TV and not just have him disappear. But at the same time, I'm always weary when you try this because, like, how long can you have a guy just do that? Is it yeah. suffice? So we'll see. Maybe they have a plan. You know, Rand, uh, a young Randy Orton gave us percentage updates on his shoulder week to week, and it was it was glorious. Um, and then to the Brian Cage, you know, look, I, I guess we've abandoned because it wasn't like a, what a, a little over a month ago, like Brian Cage was being teased as he was going to defect from Team Taz, that he was kind of yeah. getting tired of it. So I guess they've maybe pulled the plug on that, uh, which. Uh, look, I think Brian Cage is a stud, and I, I, I think Team Taz, the booking of him and Team Taz is holding him down. Yeah, up to this point, changed my mind. Oh, he's the FTW champion. Okay. Yeah. For, for those of you who are only listening to the audio version, I just made a really big roll of the eyes at the. FTW. Oh, I heard it. I think they heard it. Like, <laughs> you hear that rolling around? All yeah. <laughs> because inside of a tin can. But no, I completely agree. I, I think uh, Brian Cage, in terms of him with this thing, and he was even looked like he was being paired with Sting. What happened to that? It looks like they've kind of moved Sting completely away from that, which I thought could have been promising. But uh, Brian Cage, just one of those start-stop guys, and this is the most recent cycle of it to where now we're on the stop cycle because he just had the biggest win of his career a few couple of weeks ago. Uh, I remember how shocked both of us were in terms of him just squashing one of their biggest stars. And But the good thing is it looks like they're still working together in terms of Brian Cage and Hangman Adam Page. So we're just going to hopefully uh, see that play out. And maybe, you know, maybe he'll get another win over Hangman um, Adam Page. I think that could be a really good uh, win for Brian. Oh, it would be a huge win for him. But they have to then just 
follow up with it. You know, I mean, yeah, absolutely. So we go to uh, Brian Pillman uh, with the Varsity Blonde. So they cut a good promo backstage, especially Brian Pillman. I really like what he had to say. Uh, basically going over it, he's saying that, you know, the Young Bucks are the ones that he wanted to be like, not like his dad. He said his dad made him want to get away from pro wrestling as far as possible, but then he saw the Young Bucks do it the right way, you know, good Christian boys, and he said that he decided that that's why. So I really love that line. Great babyface line from Brian Pillman Jr. My problem with this is that Julia Hart is sitting there. She's apparently the newest member of the Varsity Blondes. I don't know if this played out on Dark or, or a show other than Dynamite, but I had no idea of that, and they're just talking with her standing there, and and then finally, at the very end of the promo, they say, oh, by the way, and Julia Hart. And then they kind of move on from it. But uh, really strong stuff, uh, particularly from Brian Pillman Jr. Yes. Uh, so I'll go in reverse here. I agree with you the, to the Julia thing. It is a bit. Again, if you're if you're not watching Monday and Tuesday's YouTube, maybe some things like little minutia, things like this get lost. Uh, Julia Hart, I can actually say uh, for a quick moment, I had him. I was like, there's no way she's a heart descendant. And yeah. they're trying to like. I uh, actually did a quick Google. Uh, she's from one of my favorites, and I've actually took some bumps there. But cheap plug. Uh, Ken Anderson or Ken Kennedy in the WWE right. world. His uh his his wrestling school up in Minnesota, Minneapolis. She's a 19 year old, 19. She's young. Graduate from there, so uh, got a lot of potential and 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 life ahead of her. So cool in that. But yeah, I agree. A little random, but to the point of the promo. Uh, I think this this was a really great thing, and I, and I again I applaud Brian, uh, I uh, Tony Khan I guess at the end of the day has to get gets to get all the praise or or uh, <laughs> uh, crap that we throw at him. You know the the dark side of the ring Brian Pillman just aired, so he's fresh on the mind. Or or for younger fans, the younger demo of AEW, he's you know somebody they never saw live. They're, they're being educated on history about him, and I think this is a great promo by Brian Jr. Uh, I, I know Brian Jr. a little bit, uh, great interactions with him, the ones I've had. And uh, he is a guy that's not dabbling in the lifestyle that his father did. So I thought this promo, I believe it because I know it's to be true. And it, But it also makes sense. And then it also adds like some heat and some gravitas to this main event that we're going to get later of like Absolutely. the bucks are who I want to be. I, I don't want to do the lifestyle of my dad. I, I, I like, I know the lifestyle of my dad is, is gonna, it, it's, it's a short road. I want, I want to be here for the long road. I thought this was really good. This is, this was maybe one of the, it kind of snuck in there, but I thought it maybe is one of the most underrated promos. They've kind of snuck in there by a group that, uh, by, you know, by an act that otherwise prior to tonight was just, again, ringside fodder had got some dynamite matches but never really won got some offense but again this felt like even though they're gonna spoiler alert they're gonna lose later this sure? felt this felt like we, we we might have a plan for them and i was encouraged by this and I hope they do. He came off great in that documentary, and this is fantastic use of it. Um, you know, saying it was understated, I think, is a credit to this because they could have just beat you over the head with this dark side of the ring push, but they did a very good job incorporating that and then spinning it forward into an angle. I just think Brian Pillman Jr., they've got something with this guy in terms of star power. It does not feel forced at all. He feels like a guy who's at the very least ready to just mix it up in the main event upper echelon scene, and it could even be as a tag team. They should even be, they could even be a tag team who's constantly in the mix, but I hope they have him on TV every week so you can develop yeah and and, and last thing i don't want to spend too much time on sure. but you know in the last 15 years there's been a, a slew of the second or third generations you know what i mean I, i'll leave out plenty but just the ted dibiase juniors 
the um the Curtis Axels with the perfects. Um, you know, Brian Pillman Jr., uh, you know, DH Smith, um and, and many, many more. And it's uh, you know, it's and it's always fans always want to try to book the juniors or the thirds as have them do their dad's gimmick because we because wrestling fans love nostalgia just just look at a smackdown retro from a few weeks ago that does a big number we love nostalgia we love the stuff from when we were kids and i like the fact that brian jr is you know he's he he leans in a little bit to his dad but he's making a vocal effort to also write his own story and not be just a carbon copy and doing this all the same moves or and I, I don't know I just I feel good about Brian Jr.'s trajectory where he's going certainly so uh, Eddie Kingston and John Moxley versus the acclaimed is next get a couple of promos for both teams that are pretty entertaining uh, what I kind of like is that a- Anthony Bowens did the heavy lifting for the promo before this match and Max Caster didn't say much but then of course they get out to the rap and this kind of plays into the ma- uh, match because uh, Max Caster had a filthy line for Renee Young uh, saying uh, that uh, she's all in his mentions trying to hit him up for some oral sessions. And that uh, as soon as the bell rang, you know, John Moxley just went nuts on him. This is basically all Moxley. He gets in a lot of offense. There's a lot of brawling. Uh, the finish comes where Max Caster comes in with a chain, tosses it to Bones. Ref gets distracted. Uh, so he gets another uh, boom box and he hits uh, Moxley intercepts it, hits Bones with it. But then we get uh, Moxley and Kingston teamed up for a wheelbarrow into a paradigm shift, which is their new double team finisher. So they get the one. And Moxley and Kingston look like they're headed to double or nothing to face the Young Bucks. What did you think about this segment? Uh, you know, first off, I mean, Eddie Kingston, who was once like a one off open challenge from Cody Rhodes, has, you know, he's cemented himself as a you know, permanent guy tag teaming with one of the biggest coups that AEW grabbed from, from WWE. Right. Um, so cool there. Uh, you know, that, that line, I, you know, AEW doesn't have as much quality control. They are not as scripted. They are not as, they are not as heavily produced. So I don't know, Alfred, if this was one of those, um, ask for the forgiveness later, sure. bypass the permission, ask for forgiveness later. I mean, you know, Mox is a pretty laid back guy. You know, but uh, but if you are, you know, bringing somebody's wife, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this. I, you know, it, it, I don't know. Regardless, it's got us talking. So, right. And to be fair, and this was kind of a funny part of it, uh, Bowens comes in and he did say, oh, no, we're just talking about our podcast. We want to be on the podcast. Yeah. So it's a good shout out for Renee's session, Renee Young's podcast, which is called Oral Sessions, but obviously a double entendre of something else. So I'm going to assume, know, I'm going to assume. I'm going to assume they said it in Mox thought that's a really good play on words. Use it. You know, Mox is a comfortable enough guy. He, you know, he's not threatened by, but any, any, any which way it was a good line. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. That was very wild lines. Uh, the acclaimed, uh, so they lost, but you know, this, uh, doesn't hurt them at all because it's a big team and this is where they're going direction wise. We I'll just spent back. more time talking about them than we did Mox and Kingston. So. Yeah. See, well, that's just something, <laughs> right. Moxley, by the way, has a new theme. It's still a wild thing, but it's a Joan Jett version. So they're still tinkering with that. Let me, uh, yeah. Let, 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 real quick before we move on, let me ask you that. So he started, we started last week, the, the wild thing. Um, do you like, do you like AEW? more and more acquiring the rights to these mainstream is uh, you know music versus using their in-house people 
I absolutely, I'm all in favor. Like two things can be true. I like some original AEW themes, but I'm all in favor for them taking mainstream music. I've always been a fan of not only with wrestler theme entrances, but even when they're doing video packages and using mainstream music, like running up that hill, that Shawn Michaels Undertaker video package, I think is the greatest they've ever done. Uh, and it just, if you have an appreciation for a mainstream song already and you mix that with wrestling, sometimes it could be a beautiful mix, I think. Okay. You know, I'm I'm torn. Because while I say that I think AEW, with the exception of a few, I think Darby's an exception, the exception of a few, I can't, like, if I close my eyes and you play a song, I, I, there's not a lot of talents in AEW I can, I can tell you, oh, it's theirs. Like, Darby's, I can tell you. Um, you know, like, there's few. So, on the one hand, I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. Wild thing. And then, you know, uh, Orange Cassidy has the one that they have. But then I also think back to an, an interview not long ago that Jim Johnston, the famous classic WWE composer who made all the 80s and 90s and early aughts theme songs, he did with uh, Chris Van Vliet. And Jim said something that just very plain. He said, you know, if you start using some mainstream songs for wrestlers entrances, you have a preconceived opinion like you hear that song you're like oh that's the song that like my high school girlfriend broke up with me and i remember hearing that song or that's my first date like you have something that's an emotion not even tied to the wrestler and that might sound very just you know i don't know whatever hippy dippy but like i don't know part of me is kind of like well that, that there's a point like that's why you want to make a, a theme that says it's time it's vader time or right. you want to make a stone i don't know so i'm curious the the uh, to see how this plays the, the moxley coming out to wall thing it's, it's kind of cool but then I, I have to admit i hear that song the first thing i think i think of ricky vaughn i think of charlie sheen and right. and, and major league and so then i start to like my mind wanders and i start to not think about john moxley i start to think about you know, you know charlie you know the the, the terminator hole number one and, and i don't know i just I don't know. I'll, I'll be I'll be curious to see how many more of these they do. Right. And I, I agree with you to an extent in that I really don't want to see the extinction of some of these wrestling themes because obviously we grew up with Ted DiBiase themes or Hulk Hogan's themes or Shawn Michaels. I want there to be another generation of those, but I do like a friendly balance. And I just thought that John Mox's entrance last week was just kind of like a superstar entrance with that music. It reminded me, especially when you watch UFC or if you watch a boxing fight, they're walking out to mainstream music then and it just gives you that big fight feel. But I agree that it should definitely use discretion. I would not want everybody in aew to come out to like mainstream theme music then it's just like you're kind of like a disposable uh member of aew comes out to stock music so i wouldn't want that yeah it's a, it's 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 a balance between come out to something that was once on the uh, billboard charts or come out to something that we describe as generic track three <laughs> right so so we get a backstage promo, Jericho and Dimalinko. We'll hear from Jericho uh, later. It's really cool to see these two together uh, talking about the man of a thousand for it holds. Jericho forgot a few, so it's back to a thousand. Uh, then we get Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. So they're out here, the new hot heels, young guys. Uh, cutting a promo on Sting, basically, Scorpio Sky says that Sting isn't the guy he used to be. Uh, Ethan Page says he's going to be the nail in Darby's coffin. And then out come Darby on and Sting, beat him up, get uh, Scorpio Sky in the Scorpio death lock. Uh, Scorpio Sky and uh, Ethan Page get run off. Uh, Dark Order's out there, and then we move to the next segment. What did you think about this, Justin? Uh, minor quibble. Minor, minor quibble. As Ethan Page and Sky are trying to get away, Dark Order comes out of the face tunnel. Makes yeah. sense. Their faces. And then a few of them come out of the heel tunnel. 
that might be a huge nitpick, but here's my only thing. I and I, it's a compliment to AW. I love they do the two tunnel thing. I like the idea of like baby faces are in this locker room or in this part. They come out of this tunnel and the heels come out of this way. I, I like that. We all know they whatever pulled on the fourth wall. We all know that's not the case, but I like the presentation. I like that. But then you kind of erase that presentation when you have healed or uh, excuse me, face dark order coming out of both tunnels to, 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 to back them in. It's a very minor quibble, but it's just something I, I pay attention to. I like the heel face tunnels overall. I like this. And the note here, Alfred sting is going to have a match double or nothing. And they made a point to articulate and say, it is not a cinema. They said, this is not a yeah, cinematic I- <laughs> match. This is a match. Mine. The first time in more than six years in an arena. Sting is going to be out there bell to bell. And uh, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah, and I like that they made mention of that because that is going to be a difference in terms of one singular talent who can move pay-per-view or ticket sales. Uh, it's definitely Sting because they're selling tickets to have a show out there in Jacksonville. And so, you know, that'll be very interesting. Uh, Sting's looked fine. I mean, I don't think he's looked off or he still looks like Sting, and I think he's moved just fine in terms of what we've seen live and in that cinematic match. No, he's moved well. He looks, for a guy in his 50s, I mean, God, I wish I was going to be that when I get to his age. I think that the the headline still is that like, you know, when he does the cinematic matches, they can, uh, you know, cover up and protect anything. Right. A live tag team match, that's when you hold your breath. You're like, anything can happen. The, you know, you don't want to think the worst, but that's what that unfortunately that's where your head kind of goes to sometimes with uh, these older legends is right. there's no covering up if 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 one wrong thing happens. So. So uh, playing off our conversation about theme music, Peter Ball for $2 says coming out to mainstream music is what made ECW. You know, good point. No, P- Peter, that's a good point. I-, I will say this. You know, you think about, you know, I to this day, I hear Alice in Chains, Man in the Box, and I've had a, uh, a, you know, I've been I've been beaten up by a prosthetic leg from Tommy Dreamer on, on iPay-Per-View. So, like, I ECW did have an association. But ECW was very underground and all that time. I think the fact that AEW is mainstream, you know, and ECW, as Paul Heyman says, they somehow legally got away with scamming the system of not paying the right. royalties. AEW is not going to do that. Tony Khan's not going to do that. It, it just becomes like, will it work? Like, can you can you find mainstream music to attach to everybody? Um, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, again, I, I'm not against it, but I just I think it's an interesting choice that Tony Khan is investing money in certain talents to for certain music just and part of that i think is going to be selecting music that's very sing-alongable you know wild thing is something everybody knows the words wild thing yeah. jungle boy i think has a lot of potential with that uh, tarzan boy song that people are going to love doing in the live arena so that's really going to help kind of make the wrestler look larger than life that will and but another thing too and i wonder if this you know if, if tony khan and company have talked talk about this you know, WWE already suffers from the fact that the WWE Network, you go back and watch some things, and and music has to get dubbed because the, I don't know the I don't know the specifications, but you know, you pay for the rights to use uh, a song, a mainstream song. It doesn't always allow you to carry it over, or at least maybe a certain time frame into the archives. So if you watch the WWE Network, you go back to watch WCW in the late nineties. Hulk Hogan coming out to Jimi Hendrix's um, uh, oh yeah, Voodoo, Voodoo Child. Child. They dub over it. 
even though at the time it fit great and Hogan's playing the air guitar and he's cool and whatever, but it, it but whatever whatever in the rights doesn't happen, so they dub over and it's terrible. And you watch ECW on the network and they dub over New Jack coming out to Natural Sandman. Born Killers and yeah you know, and Sandman with Metallica, right? So like again, just long term things. Does Tony Khan need? Is Tony Khan thinking about will AEW ever develop an on demand network? And if that's the case, will these songs you know? be able to translate over again a lot of things that are way off in the future but just visiting from history that's worth worth asking worth talking about so we get a pinnacle promo a backstage so this is like a pre-tape vignette uh starts off with mjf at the head of the table saying that jericho has all these third grade insults and then it swings to dax harwood who said 30 years you're still making a mockery of the business uh, as they're talking and dax is cutting a pretty fiery promo uh sean spears is having an altercation uh, with the maitre d with the waiter uh where finally he grabs the waiter because he did not get his drink on time the waiter served wardlow but he did not serve sean spears sean spears smashes the waiter's face on the table mid promo and he goes i want my drink and then everybody calms down with Sean Spears, and they go to the next segment. And Tully tosses a lot of money to cover the expense. Yes, yeah, this, this was good. You know, this is um, they're doing their best 2021 Horseman promos. It was good. I'm That's a good way of putting it, and I would agree that that is this is a good twist on what a Horseman promo would be because I have no problem with them paying homage to the Horseman or whatnot, but I do not want a replica. I really love this because it's like you're thinking that, okay, they're just going to go through all the members. This is basically what a horseman promo was. And it's kind of almost a parody. Like midway through, somebody's having a problem with the with the alcohol. And that's kind of what just tough guys do is that he's not going to sit here and politely wait for his buddy to start talking. He's going to fight this guy. And then everybody has to calm down. It made it seem so much more realistic. And I really liked it. Yeah, I, I this was good. I, I'm good with this. And, I, and I'll, I'll give more compliment as we'll get to it in a second with uh, their counterparts. But um I think this is AEW's top storyline, in my opinion, and I think they're handling it well with the two groups. Right. So Reba versus Sheeta, or uh, Rebel versus Hikaru Sheeta, is next. It's Rebel, Reba. not Reba. Rebel, not Reba is her whole thing. Yeah, so Rebel, not Reba. <laughs> so she's out there facing Sheeta. So the thing with Rebel, of course, is her crutch. She's really, quote, unquote, selling this knee injury she has, but kind of wink, wink, tongue in cheek. Uh What's weird is this match starts, Sheeta's just beating the crap out of her and stopping her. And then Sheeta gets pulled off by the referee, and Reba stands up and no-sells everything, does jumping jacks. So sure, like, I get that you're selling, that your knee's not really hurt. It's, it's almost like she's making a mockery of the fact that she just got fake attacked by Hikaru Sheeta. So I didn't like this. But it ends with a sit-down knee breaker and a stretch muffler, and then Britt Baker laid out Hikaru Sheeta with the stomp. Uh, yeah, no, you, uh, your, your points are valid. Um I like the touch on uh, Sheeta had her own doctor's glove. Yeah, like Britt has. And and I'll be honest, I haven't been a big fan of Sheeta. You know, I'm sure the, the the chats will hate me, but I, I just I haven't really under I just haven't connected with her. Obviously, Britt. You know, I, I was here for Britt's first match here in Pittsburgh, and I'm you know. Longtime friends with her, so I have, I'm 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 tilted to her, but I think this is really playing again. It's playing in the favor. She's going to win this title, I think. But I thought this was a nice setup. I thought she to having the glove was a nice touch, nice nice baby face thing to do. To you're beating a lackey. Um, yeah, I thought this was this this is good. This is what this was a very old school formulaic. The heel has a lackey. 
face is going to beat that lackey, but I think we all know where this is ending for right. double or nothing, and it's it's the right it's the right ending. That's exactly how it should end. Uh, we have a backstage segment with Kenny Omega and Don Callis. Basically, Orange Cassidy is because he got a concussion last week or hit his head really hard, so they're trying to protect him from himself by offering him a contract. He tears it up the first time, but they give him another one. So the storyline going now is that uh, will Orange Cassidy sign this contract that will exempt him from this match and get him a title shot later on down the road? I think we all know the answer to that. Yeah, he's probably going to have the match, as you said. But uh, I think this is kind of good because I will be honest. Last week, the injury that he took, the, the slam to his head, and you know, obviously they called an audible in the mix last week. Supposedly, the reports say the plan all along was for it to be a triple threat. They just didn't plan for the match last week to go down the way it does. I, you know, whatever. Um, but I like this. I like this segment because it does just provoke the doubt and question, which is, what's real? What's not? How good is he? healthy wise and is he ready to go so i'm okay with this yeah absolutely uh inner circle comes out next so we get a promo for the entire inner circle they all have something to say uh all i think got very good promos that are just kind of kind of short promo with jericho bringing it all home uh talks about how he almost hit his head when he made that fall so you know he could have lost his life basically the inner circle accepts the challenge from the pinnacle yeah good i mean look uh you know a very basic tagline are they going to accept you're not going to come out and say no but they made the most of made the most of fulfilling the yes we're going to accept with you know uh you know a couple good promos here and uh, and i like the fact and they've done aew has done well with this that unless they advertise as a match or unless they advertise that it is like a stare down I forget the word they used. A few, uh, parlor? Parlor. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I, I like the fact that otherwise, the two groups are always presented as in different locations. One's a pre-tape off-site, one's in the ring. I like that because there's this is such a blood feud that, in theory, if they're both on the grounds, and we know they're both in the arena, they should be coming out sneak attacking, sneak sneak attacking, ready to stab each other at any right. point. So I like that we see the pinnacle at the steakhouse doing rich things, doing the elite things, and you know I like that. So this I think continuity wise, this has been kept uh, pretty well. Yeah, that's a great point. We've seen some pretty big time storylines when they were in the same building that make you think that the next time they are, somebody owes somebody a receipt. So, no, that's an excellent point, especially coming off that kind of a uh, little bit of the bubbly shower that they did last week. So, yeah, very good point. Uh, Serena Deeb versus Red Velvet was next. I, this might have been my favorite match in the show. And uh, I mean, I thought Serena Deeb did such a great job kind of carrying Red Velvet, uh, but Red Velvet hung in there. And this was a very good match with Serena Deeb basically working over the knee. She banged Red Velvet's knee before setting up that serenity lock. And it looked so violent. I thought these two worked very well together. I agree. This, this was a, again, a quiet highlight of the night. Um, good match. Uh, you know, had a break in between, so a two segment match. I didn't expect. Um, Red Velvet at one point she had the moonsault, and uh, D put up the knees, which always it, it can look like a brutal spot, and it did. Uh, you know, I'm a I'm a, you're right. I'm a Red Velvet fan. She yeah. has come a long way. Uh, I I'm 
I am a fan of the the name of the wrestling that she's doing. I'm a from a just a red blooded um, American male. I think I think she is a beautiful, oh, yeah, beautiful lady. I love the game. I mean, I'm 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 all there <laughs> every which way. So um, this was good. I you know Deeb retains the title, but Red Velvet I think is coming a long way, and I think that. You know, six to eight months ago, the the biggest knock we have about AEW is the women's division. It's not the you know it's not their strongest. Still, it's you know it's not like you know NXT. You can say you can argue the women are the strongest for NXT. That's not yet the case for AEW, but AEW has made huge advances and uh, Red Velvet for everything for character, for the look, for the 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 work everything is advancing everything is 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 there so i was a fan of this for sure it really was she did a good job in that role as a valiant baby face that by the end of this match and she had to tap out you felt sympathy for her i thought she was incredible and then to your point with this division advancing before we had a segment with jade cargill and so it looks like i believe that was a gentleman who played mjf's lawyer is that the same guy who approached so. with, uh, jade cargill saying that he wants to now represent her he would be working for her so it looks like that's getting some advancement in terms of Jade Cargill. Who, again, I don't want to repeat what I just said about Red Velvet, but, I mean, Jade Cargill, she just, she looks stunning. I mean, you're yeah. sexually attracted to, like, this is a beautiful woman. Oh, my oh my God, she can kick your ass. And then you and if you see what she's physically capable of, and then there's the storyline of everybody's trying to be, everybody's courting her to be the manager. I mean, this is women empowerment. This is it's strong it's really good this is really really good i'm doing a good job and a question for you for 240 from terry allen jr justin will you miss john's former theme you know i don't know i mean that's the thing like moxley has an entrance that's that's unique he's he does the crowd thing um you know i like the wild thing song like i said earlier i I, but but i associate it so (laughs) i associate it to like you know ricky wild thing vaughn from the from the major league movies i don't know i I, i'm i'll let some more weeks go on i I don't want to bury it now i let me see how it goes for more weeks i I don't think it's a bad idea for tony Khan to be investing in songs that are well known but as i noted earlier i do think there's maybe a line so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna proclaim that it's a bad thing yet i'll just wait and see how it goes out and then, of course, friend of the show, Jax Collins, says, much love, boys. Have a safe week for 3 to 9. Thank you, Jax. Thanks, Always Jax. appreciate that. Uh, so we have, uh, what's next after that? Paca does a promo, and then we get Anthony Agogo versus Austin Gunn. So this match is built around just how quickly can Anthony Agogo get these lethal punches off. So Austin Gunn attacks Agogo's eye, which he's 78% blind in one eye. I think that's going to be something that they <laughs> use in that Cody match because that is, I think, the second time they brought that up. Uh, and then we get three gut punches from Agogo to Gunn, and they're just all kind of slowly done over the course of this match, where by the end of this match, uh, Austin Gunn is coughing up blood from the mouth, and it's getting on Agogo's face. And uh, same TKO finish that they've been doing with Anthony Agogo to build him up against Cody Rhodes. Uh, I like the consistent. They have been very consistent at, at how they've approached him, so I, I like that. Um, I'm not sold on Anthony Agogo, but again, they've been trying. They've been trying their best at at 
selling me on him. So I'll wait and see. I'll wait and see how the match goes with with Cody. But this was a good uh, build. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm just keeping it very basic with this. They're doing a lot of old school things, building around one move. They're doing that kind of anti-American versus a British thing. They're keeping simple to the old school principles while still it does feel current. It doesn't feel like, like it's out uh, from a different era or something like that. But, you know, so far so good for me. Kazarian says he's going to hunt down every member of the elite. It was a very good promo. I really like this fire here. And then we get, you know, sure. Oh, no, no nothing more. Uh, we get Miro comes out. Uh, I just really wanted to get to this one. He gets out. He comes out. Thanks, Jesus. Cuts a fire-breathing promo. Out comes Lance Archer. All for Jesus Christ, but that, that was a little random. By the way. Really <laughs> I, I only included it because it's this, this whole segment was just fire-breathing. Oh, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. And this, and it, it's just great. But the whole, I got it. I'd like to thank Jesus Christ for my accomplishment. <laughs> so full disclosure. As I've referenced earlier, as <laughs> as the major league movies are on my mind because of um, you know because of Wild Thing and such, I, I Alfred, I don't know if you, I don't know if you watch the major league movies. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't remember too much, but I used to watch them when I was a kid all the time. All right, well, maybe you'll get this, or maybe the chat will get this. But all I can <laughs> all I can think. When Miro randomly starts to think Jesus Christ. Oh, I know you is I'm like, are you trying to say Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? Yeah. In my mind, I'm like, are you trying to say Jesus Christ can't put on a headlock? That's <laughs> what my mind was at. This ended up, I'll let you go. This resulted in a much, you know, it was good, but that's all I could think was like, you know, find out that tbs or tnt has all these replays of major league and that they're just kind of like subconsciously putting it in our minds so we can be ready for it Are you trying to say jesus christ can't kick out of two <laughs> jesus christ doesn't want to do the job he's <laughs> no it was great it was on top of mind and then uh, these two just a uh, couple of guys yelling at each other i, I thought this was great because they're and then miro had this line to end everybody dies but you'll be the first uh yeah. you know these two guys want to kill each other they're both monsters i'm sure they'll have a good match loved yeah. it AEW does not have the production crew that wwe has but the it, it, hopefully the AEW crew can do the editing the sound bites out of this were phenomenal so there's yes. some great sound bites out of this kayla mick brings up a interesting point she said could we see a big show versus a go-go fist match i doubt might be fun i mean big show does have that wnb md punch but if they really believe in this a go-go kid and they really want to put him over at some point i mean yeah kayla i i don't want to be you know rude to your super chat thank you but that that will do no favors to a go-go not now um Right now, now, yeah, I mean, like they've they, up to this point again, they've kept Paul White, Paul White. They have not, you know, we haven't seen him, and he probably will have a match eventually. You know, they'll cash in on having him have a match, but to use his, you know, weapon of mass destruction, one punch, which I never liked that as a finish in WWE's world, anyways, to downplay a young Anthony Gogo, no dice. 
So it's main event time. Uh, we get the Young Bucks versus the Varsity Blondes. Uh, fine match. It's more of a Young Bucks match. That kind of pace and high flying with them being heels. More headgear. That just I talk about this more and more each week, but I think I'm still verified in terms of their hair, headgear gets just more ridiculous each week. And this time they had this fur contraption with the beads hanging out. Uh, the Young Bucks win this match. A lot of outside interference. They pull the same trick on Bryce Rimsburg that Max Castor and Anthony Bones did to where they have the, the spray can. He takes it away, and while he's turning around, they get another one and spray it. It leads to the finish with the sharpshooter uh, on, um, I believe it was Griff Garrison, into the face buster from the springboard, uh, and he ends up uh, having to tap out. So the Young Bucks beat the Varsity Blondes after outside interference. After the match, out come Moxley and Kingston. Kingston steals. What I believe is their counterfeit Jordan Dior's, but in storyline, ten thousand dollars sneakers that Eddie Kingston then steals from them. Uh, you know, in storyline, fine. You know, this is kind of a flat ending. This, this is not a. You know, I I know we're still two weeks out of the two weeks out from the pay per view, so. You know, no go home hard sell, but you know, I don't know. Uh, the the varsity blondes again look good, and you know Julia Hart she looked good. This you know kind of flat to me. The Bucks look ridiculous, so great heel heat. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just the, the this was. I think I could look at other things on the show and made a case for they should have been the main event ending this didn't feel like a good ending to me i agree i agree i mean i like the fact that they're committing to brian pillman jr by putting him in this spot but just the way this match turned out and just all the outside interference that we'd you know up to this point if you've seen it throughout the show then you have the main event for these titles and they do it again that i think uh, takes away from the match as well in terms of you've seen this trick before they literally used the same type of outside interference that they've used before so that kind of i think undercut this match but yeah uh, yeah i did feel like it was flat yeah and i didn't even mention the again their their usage of distraction of referees and i mean they they just they just abuse referees i get that I get that WWE is like booking 500 way too much. I get that. And, I, and you want to try to be different. I, that I, I appreciate that. But at the same time, and I get that Tony Khan was an ECW fan and ECW spoken or unspoken had no DQs, no count outs. It was ECW rules. Just the match was going to end pinfall submission. But like at a point you have to, you got to define something. And I don't think AEW does that. So I don't know. I mean, you know, again, a lot of fans are probably like, oh, you're, you're making, you know, just enjoy the product. Stop nitpicking. But I don't know. Yeah. You, I don't think you got to have, you got to have rules. Yeah. If there's no rules, there's, if there's no rules, Alfred, there's no shit to break, which means there's no heat for the heel. 
<laughs> yeah, it just makes ridiculous, and it makes the referees look like such fools in that they keep falling for these tricks, and it it is such becoming such a crutch for AEW that every match has to end like this, and I, I don't think that's the direction they should be going. I know Tony Khan is a huge ECW fan, but kind of like how AEW has done in general that has led to their success, I think they need to take the best parts of certain uh, promotions or organizations and then kind of undercut the worst parts because, you know, ECW, as fun as it was, all that outside interference, if you go back and watch it, it's a mess sometimes. And you get that feeling watching AEW too, especially when they're live and they're going off the air and you can tell that it's just absolute chaos. Yeah, the, there's there's too many segments with AEW that ends with gang warfare. And it's yeah. just, that, that, that's a problem. AEW is still fun. It's a it's a very great alternative, and in the business, it's an alternative for other guys and girls to get paid. That is all great, but I but uh, to heart to to preach that they are the savior of today's wrestling is I don't agree with. I, there's still things they need to do better. They they provide jobs, great, but there's still things that need to be done way better. So a uh, very uh, interesting question here from Summit B for 100. I don't know what that uh, character is. But uh, so what happens to the TNT Championship when they move to TBS? Will they rename the title? Justin, what do you think? Are you in favor of them renaming <laughs> it the TBS Championship? Yeah, you know, I don't think they have to. That's, that's actually a really great question. I don't think they have to because what we said up top on this podcast, and if you missed out, go back and rewind. They're still going to be on TNT, and they're still going to do some specials. So that might still make that TNT title special. I don't think that it's an alt. You know, I mean, again, TBS, TNT, they're all in the same ownership. So, uh, and TNT gave them, gave Dynamite and AEW their birth. So there might be kind of a, you know, certain bit of loyalty to TNT, the name of the brand. I don't think it's a given that t- the TNT title, which we all kind of assume is like the mid card title, even though they try to, you know, make it elevated to the, you know, equal to the world title. I don't think it's a given that the TNT title gets switched over to, to the TBS. Title. I think they might still pay homage to TNT. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think they should absolutely do it. The only reason I would ever think that they should change the name of that title is if they move to something outside of Warner Media. So yeah. they went on USA Network. They're not having a TNT title. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, so, uh, Alfred, they moved to USA. We got a effing bigger discussion. Oh, we've, got, we've got another podcast to do. <laughs> you know, Raj going to have to pay us even more money than that. <laughs> Right. No, but no, I completely agree that I'm fine with them doing the TNT title. And this title's had too many false starts to begin with. You know, it had the whole thing where it wasn't done. Then they finished it, so they changed it to the updated look. And then, unfortunately, with Brody Lee, and they did the right thing there and retiring that title and making that Brody Lee's title. So now it's another title that's being rolled out. And let's just ride with this TNT championship and let this lineage build up a little bit because they're doing a good job booking that title, I will say. I'll argue, and I know we have to end here soon. Sure. I'd argue to say the TNT title has been booked better than the AEW world title. I don't think you, I think that's a very easy argument to win. I would completely agree with that. You could look at the numbers. You could look at, uh, you could 
Maybe we credit Darby Allen because he's just that hot. But the fact that he's defending that title every single week, I think what Kenny Omega is doing right now, I like it, but I think it's a little bit ambitious. Uh, and they're kind of getting a little ahead of themselves with him going all around this. It's harder for them to focus and tell the story that they need to tell with the world champion in their company. So uh, they're not getting bogged down with that with Darby Allen. Darby Allen's more localized, or he was when he was champion. And I think that was really connecting with people. Yeah, for sure. So uh, that was AEW Dynamite. Uh, we'll be getting off this podcast in a little bit. But first, I want to know your thoughts. Well, how would you grade this, uh, Justin? It seemed very up and down on the show. Yeah, up and down. You know, again, you know, when you have a go-home show to a pay-per-view, it's very concentrated. We're, we're two weeks out of that. So um, you know, I don't want to say it was a, fl- a filler show. It wasn't a filler. But, you know, I don't know. It was It was a, you know. Middle middle of the road show, you know, m- middle of the road, I guess, is where I put this at. This, you know, C plus, B minus, you know, you're not hard selling to the pay-per-view. You're just kind of scooching everything along. Yeah. No, I completely show. I, that, especially just given the highs that they can produce, this was definitely kind of more of an average show. Uh, you got anything to plug before we leave, Justin? Uh, hit the follow button at Justin LaBar. Um Let's see. It's tonight's Wednesday. Uh, I'm on Busted Open Radio as I am every Friday morning with uh, Mark Henry and Dave LaGreca. Busted Open every Wednesday. Tony Khan seems to come on and make some yeah. announcements. That's so where he made the announcement for today, I believe. That's that's the company I'm in. Yes. Uh, but yeah, join me Friday morning on Busted Open Radio, Sirius XM. You can listen live on channel 156, or you can download the app and listen on demand. And of course, Alfred and I will be back every single Wednesday. Hell yeah. Follow me on Twitter at this is nasty. Go on Forbes. I got an interview with the Miz. Get well soon. It was just before the zombie things happened. So maybe we'll have a follow up in a couple of weeks. Uh, but go on there. And thank you, everybody. We will see you next week.